and we're recording. Awesome. Well, thank you everyone for joining. Welcome to Hotel Talk. Today we have Dill, um, sorry, Bill. Bill <laughs> <laughs> sorry. Yeah, I'm obviously very good at this. Anyway, thank you so much for joining us. Um, we're excited to hear your predictions for the rest of 2020 and 2021. We'll be sure to put some time on the calendar to revisit to see, you know, just how how accurate we were here today. Yeah, just so, how, how completely wrong we are. That'll be yeah. Fun. So, Bill, do you want to introduce yourself? Tell us like, who you are, where you've been, how you got into hospitality, um, all of that fun stuff? Sure, yeah. Uh, so, Bill Davio, I am co-founder and president of Career RevGen, uh, which for the last seven years, we've been on a mission to make hotel revenue management easier, smarter, and better. And what that basically means is we work with all, all types of groups, um, you know, from owning one or managing one hotel all the way up into the hundreds. And we just help groups develop their revenue management department to best suit their needs. So in some cases, we're doing fully outsourced revenue management, doing all the button pushing for them. And then we also have a, a pretty powerful revenue management platform that we've built. And so larger groups will partner with us in that respect and help make their lives easier. And then they can always rely on our service and a task force perspective. Um, so how did I get into hospitality? Yeah. Um, I don't know. My, I was living in Chicago and in high school. My first job was a peanut vendor at Wrigley Field. Um, thought that was a pretty good gig. I only had to work during uh, – home games and there were three hour long shifts. So I thought this was a pretty good career. And I went into hospitality to find out it's not anything like that. Um, <laughs> I was going to ask, how did you jump from peanuts yeah. <laughs> to, to hotels or hospitality? It's a big jump. Yeah. Um, no, I think in, in college, uh, I went, I went to a hotel school and, um, then I, I really, not really until my senior year did I start getting the bug and the passion for revenue management. And I just liked that it was so new and always changing and somewhat entrepreneurial. So, um, yeah, I think about four or five years out of college, I decided to just start my own thing and try to do it even better. That's awesome. Well, I can't think of anyone better to give predictions on what's going to happen in the midst of this pandemic and after and when the recovery is going to happen. So, um, yeah, if you're ready to get started, let's kick it off. Um, and let's start off with your predictions around Airbnb and corporate housing. All right. Um, yes, yeah, so I think that's a really tough one to start with because I think I probably could disagree with myself here, but, um, you know, I, I did a little research of like how Airbnb is, doing and I think a couple of things that I learned were uh, one which is key is 45% of hosts are not able to sustain their operating costs if the pandemic lasts another six months um, and about 16% of those and this is according to Forbes they've already missed a mortgage payment so Right. Obviously, that continues. What you're going to see are some properties defaulting, and then I think you're going to see a lot of listings go back to long-term leases. So I think what you'll see is like this dip in terms of 
um, listings on Airbnb will probably contract a little bit into 2021. However, I'm still uh, like pretty bullish, unfortunately, because I'm in hotels on Airbnb. Um, I think it will bounce back pretty quickly as demand surges. And I think like at the beginning of COVID, I think everyone was saying like, oh, Airbnb is done. The hotels have cleanliness standards that they don't have. And I don't know, I think brands are putting a lot of marketing behind it. This is just my prediction. I think that's going to fall flat. I think like once people kind of get used to the new normal, social distancing is still going to be a big issue, but I don't think people are going to be so worried about like surface cleanliness, right? I, I think uh, Airbnb will probably implement some sort of standards. It won't be as tight as hotels, but I think the fact that you can like book a vacation rental and seclude yourself works in a lot of ways to Airbnb's advantage over a hotel. So that's where I kind of contradict myself. I think in the short term, Airbnb is going to take a pretty good beating just like hotels, but <laughs> they'll be right. They'll be back in full force in a couple of years. Yeah. So I think that a lot that what I've heard around, uh, you know, Airbnb being doomed was around uh, the fact that they're going to have a harder time, um, you know, uh, uh, the, with the cleanliness standards and making sure everyone's following them. So that's one thing that I heard, but I mean, like to your point, I don't really think that's going to be as big of a concern because as we talked about previously, you have the option of selecting whole place and then you're the only person there and you're not passing guests from hundreds of other rooms. So in a way it could yeah. feel a little bit safer, right? Yeah, the, the need that they meet still exceeds any any cleanliness concern, right? Like myself, I, we booked uh, a vacation rental in Broken Bow uh, in a couple months. And I don't know. And it really crossed my mind that, you know, is the house going to be clean? The only thing we thought was like, you know, if the pandemic is still going on, we're going to be basically quarantining, right? And yeah. that I think is what is most important. And Airbnb has that in a lot of ways. But as you mentioned, so like, um, you know, it's going to take maybe a couple of years for them to rebound the people who are missing those mortgage payments and are not going to survive that. Um, do you think that the ones who will survive are going to kind of change the landscape of Airbnb at all? Or do you think it's going to remain the same? And is there anything that hotels could be learning from this, from Airbnb right now? Um, and that's yeah. years. What, probably the ones that aren't going to survive are like the mom and pop right? Like the one-off investors, which is unfortunate. I think you're going to see, you know, maybe those like Saunders of the world, like those guys are going to keep raising money and keep growing that kind of mixed use space between hotel and, and a, a typical Airbnb. So you're going to, I think you're going to see like more and more of those types of brands popping up than we already see currently, um, which we could get into that in a whole nother conversation. But. Exactly. So they're not going away entirely, but they're probably not going to be as big of a threat right now. Give it about two years for their comeback. Is that the prediction? Did I get yeah, that right? Sure. Yeah. I think my, <laughs> this whole prediction was vague enough that I don't think I can really get caught either way. Oh, I see. Okay. Well, so, I'm cheating right out about, the gate. Right out the gate, we're cheating. Okay. Yeah, that's fine. Exactly. 
Yeah. <laughs> There's not going to be any gotcha moments there, I don't think. So, okay. So, next prediction. I'm just going to tee it up, um, if that's okay. Uh, hotel owners and uh, whether or not they're going to stick with their brands and their franchise agreements or if they're going to go more independent. What do you think about that? Yeah, this is this is a this this will probably be a gotcha moment, but I I do think we're gonna see a lot more hotels pull their flags off of the weaker brands. So I think right as uh, a couple things that have happened in COVID, uh, one is like I think the majority of brand contribution is is driving corporate and maybe large groups into hotels, both of those segments have totally fallen off a cliff, right? So all you're really left with is some pent up leisure demand for the time being, which is primarily uh, driven just property direct or via the OTAs. So I think, um, I think the, Brands were doing a pretty good job when they when they launched their you know book direct campaigns and as the markets were recovering they were they were able to tighten up on the OTAs and they were I think they were starting to win that battle a little bit and now with especially with corporate falling out and with all the brands hurting pretty bad they're not going to have any more marketing funds you know for years to come so I think that the brand contribution is only going to get worse. And when you're, when you already have a kind of a weaker flag and I'm not going to like say who that is, I think it's somewhat obvious. The owners are going to say like, why am I paying these franchise fees when you're not giving me any brand contribution? And they're dealing with the fact that there's been a lot of like ill will towards some of these brands in the way that they've treated them through the pandemic, but they really have not worked with them as well as it possibly could. And so like you even see lawsuits popping up in the industry of franchisees, you know, forming lawsuits against, against the big brands. And so I think there's a lot of animosity and just a lot of tension in the industry overall, just be, just because things are not good right now. And so, um, you know, anecdotally, I have a few owners who have asked me, Hey, I really want to pull my flags on some of my hotels. Like how would I go about doing that? And I think, today it's easier than ever in terms of technology, right? Like the brands used to provide a lot in terms of, oh, we'll set up your PMS, your CRS, we'll give you a website, we'll do your distribution for you. Mm-hmm. That's, not that, that's not that hard to do anymore. Um, and it's not that expensive to do. So I think unless the brands can, can really figure out a way to drive contribution, you're going to see a lot, of, a lot of hotels decide to go independent. That's so, my prediction. I'm sticking with it. All right. That's good. It's it's locked in. So we have that one. So my but question. Can I, sorry. Can I say one more thing that's really important about that is yes. the OTAs kind of messed up and they gave really good sweetheart Not deals to OTAs. the brands. What's that? We're going to go, I'm going to ask you about OTAs next. Okay. Okay. Well, I'm going to ask right. you about that next. That's my but, that's the question. <laughs> So, um, I know, I know this is exciting. So I like making predictions. So you mentioned pulling flags and around some of these brands and there are, um, I mean, during the pandemic, a lot of the, um, 
economy hotels, the smaller properties actually tended, they stayed open. They were less likely to close. And I'm curious if you think that that had anything to do with the brands they were affiliated with, given that some of these smaller properties have GMs and owners who are the exact same person and they may not be that savvy when it comes to running an independent? Yeah, I don't, I, I wouldn't put a lot of the, um, again, a lot of the contribution on what the brands have done. The, those hotels have done better for a few reasons. One is some of them are just kind of, um, you know, driving, you know, you drive up and just stay at the hotel, right? Kind of like, a, off the highway, um, mm-hmm. on the way to the, you know, pent up leisure demand destination or something like that. Um, and a lot of it too is also the, the, the types of business segments that these hotels have benefited from, which are a little bit heavier on the OTA side. And, and from a corporate perspective, it's been a little bit more uh, essential work, right? Like CLC and projects. Yep. Those are the types of uh, workers that stay at, at those Lexer more economy hotels. And those are the segments that are still in play, right? If you're building a pipeline somewhere, COVID has not prevented that from happening. Right? If you're working in railroad, like in, in that business, like that's still going. All the truckers are still out there. So that's why those segments are doing, we're more resilient. And then uh, if you throw in, in the extended stay piece into it, Right. That has done even better. So if you're mm-hmm. extended stay economy, that's that's probably the best place to be right now. Um, I, agree. I, don't, I don't I don't think that has a whole lot to do with the brands. It has to do with the type of property and the type of business segments that they were already in that didn't fall out in the same respect. Do you think it had anything to do with rate, given that they tend to be? A little bit cheaper. Not, I'm not suggesting everyone drop rate. I'm the last person to recommend that. Trust me. But um, <laughs> kind of. I, I, I mean, obviously, the fact that their rates are lower helps. But I think actually, like, what we found is, uh, like, let me go back to CLC, for example, right? Mm-hmm. The types of hotels that were signed up on CLC pre-COVID, um, have benefited greatly because that business for better or worse has, has stood up pretty well. And then the, the hotels that would tech would be kind of be priced out of that. Like they would never really attract a CLC guest or they don't have a rate that would be, that would be beneficial. Um, when they tried to get in, right. When they raced to go to CLC, they, CLC was smart and said, you know, no, we're, we're going to be loyal to our long-term customers and they didn't let them in. So what happened was, um, you know, that their existing customers still got all the clientele, whereas these other hotels that tried to trade down and hit those segments were basically boxed out. And I think rightfully so. 100%. Like that is dead on. I agree with you so much. And I remember being in that spot and thinking that, I don't know, my hotel, we're not going to drop rate that low. We're too good for that. And then now with everything going on, that government per diem and those CLC rates are looking pretty good. So yeah, <laughs> yeah I hear you there. Yeah. But yeah, so let's, let's jump to the OTAs then as you, you were starting to talk about. 
So what are you thinking around OTAs? Yeah, I think I think OTAs are I think they've got a really good opportunity. Uh, again, right? It's kind of like coming out of the 09-2010 recession where they where they were able to grow tremendously. I think they're in a similar position. I think the only difference now is Google. Um, if you took Google out of the equation, I think the OTAs would would be monsters again. Uh, but now you basically have this gatekeeper called Google um, that's going to, you know, basically decide the fate of where the bookings go. And it really just depends on like what they do with their algorithm and what they do with their meta search strategy in order to either allow uh, hotels to try to drive bookings directly or push it through the OTAs, et cetera. But what I think about the OTAs is if they you know, they're going to have larger marketing budgets than the brands they always have. And especially out of COVID, the brands are going to have no marketing budget. So the OTAs will, will win in that regard. You know, even the property owners that, you know, started to spend a little bit money, they're, all their marketing budgets have been pulled back. So I think the OTAs can kind of overtake that. Plus, they can kind of prey on the desperation of the industry. And, you know, where pre-COVID, I think, the brands were doing a really good job of cleaning up all the parity issues. I think those are going to start like going out the window again when, you know, hotels are saying, heck, if, you know, if it takes running a mobile deal to sell 10 rooms, I'm going to do it. Right. And mm-hmm. you know, deal with the, the brand's issues later. Um, the one thing that I think that I hope to see the, the OTAs do though, is negotiate, fair terms for independent hotels because um, I think they they kind of hurt themselves a little bit and what they did was they gave these pretty good sweetheart deals to the brands because it you know they've got such a large volume of hotels and they gave they gave them preferential uh, commissions and so what the brands did is they turned turns around and went to all these independents and sold them on one key benefit of, Hey, if you, if you get into our system as like a soft brand or something like that, you know, we're going to shave two, three, 4% off of your OTA commissions. And so, so the OTAs have to work with independents and, you know, whether that's like give them marketing credits or, better placement for, you know, if they are willing to run a promotion or, and, and helping them a little bit on the commission side, it's in the OT's best interest to move that needle back in, in terms of more independent hotels and fewer soft brand and fewer brand hotels. Well, I feel like the OTA that should be a little, um, have a little bit of animosity towards those brands considering they threw parity out the window. They were supposed to be giving those OTAs the lowest rate. And then they decided, no, our lowest rate needs to be on our own websites. And then you started seeing uh, sites like Expedia uh, filling up with corporate housing because you no longer get to be on the front page because you're not in parity. At least that was one of the issues that my hotel was running into my last hotel that I worked at. Um, So, I mean, I'm wondering if they're going to, 
instead like flip-flop that, right? Maybe give the independents who had that rate parity um, the preferential placement and treatment and lower commission and then to hey brands, sorry about it. Yeah, I, th I think we'll definitely see that. I think they've smartened up this time around mm -hmm. um, and they're gonna do more favorable deals for with, with independents. Yeah, do you think that they're gonna be raising the commission at all? Or do you think it's going to be relatively the same? No, I don't think so. Because I think, I actually think like the marketing spend has offset any decreases in commissions. So, and, I, and rightfully so. I think like, you know, travel ads are paying for placement makes sense, mm -hmm. right? To a certain degree. I mean, they're always going to place the hotels that drive the most bookings towards the higher end of the store order. But I mean, every position on that page is going to be bought and paid for. And I don't necessarily think that's wrong. I, I, in a lot of cases, I think that's fair, right? Like whoever can, whoever can strategize the best and, you know, put marketing dollars towards OTAs when they need it and pull it away when they don't need it. Um, I'd rather have a low commission and be able to decide where I want to deploy my marketing dollars than just have a higher commission across the board right agreed so let's uh let's talk recovery what are your thoughts how long are we in this are we doomed uh no i don't think we're doomed i think i think hotels are actually kind of adjusting to a new normal if you will so um and what that means is just you know working with skeleton crews or trying to be as efficient as possible and as lean as possible. And they're just going to have to do that for a year plus and banks are going to have to work with owners. Right. I think what's going to be interesting is, um, you know, I think for the most part banks work with owners in terms of forbearance or paying interest only on their loans. But in Q4, they're going to start saying like, okay, now it's actually time to pay your mortgage now. <laughs> and owners are going to say like, that's great but there's actually still a pandemic going on so but I, the, I think at the end of the day is like what would the banks do with all these hotels they wouldn't know what to do with them either so I think they're just gonna have to we're just gonna have to all figure it out together and I think as long as the market could get to like 50% occupancy we can you know we can survive this thing mm -hmm. I, think, I think that's key um, I think the the you know, I think we're going to start to see a recovery. This is my prediction. We're going to start feeling like, all right, here's some forward-looking momentum in spring 2021. Um, mm -hmm. Okay. I think right now what we're seeing is like pent-up leisure demand, right? So some summer travel that's helping out these hotels. And then we'll hit the fall. And the fall really depends a lot on like, well, normally it depends on corporate travel, mm -hmm. which I think, I think it's going to come back a little bit. Like we're already seeing a lot of companies start telling their employees to come back to the office, which I think is like a step towards them also starting to fly again. Mm -hmm. um, but it's going to be super sluggish and then we're going to hit, then it's going to get colder. Right. And then you run the risk of another, rising COVID potentially. And then you hit the holidays. Yeah. Um, and Q4 is usually and then, yeah, we're just, so. just going to all use that as an excuse to stay home again. 
right? And so January is kind of sluggish anyways. And then spring, I think finally people are going to be like, all right, holidays are behind us. Hopefully COVID's behind us. Maybe we have a vaccine on the horizon. People are going to be used to it at least. Um, and so that's when I think you'll start to see corporate come back. And then in terms of like large groups and conventions, mm-hmm. that's probably not coming back until 2022 or 2023. Oh, that hurts. That hurts like hard. The other thing <laughs> that's kind of terrible about 2021 is like there's still going to be a uh, big influx of new supply because mm. um, right, these are all projects that were planned pre-COVID and that broke ground pre-COVID. Yeah, I mean, before COVID, I mean, there's always like a crisis in hospitality, right? So before COVID, it was like, oh, the supply boom is, you know, there's not enough demand to overcome that. So yeah, well, those hotels were already planned. Like nobody thought there was going to be a pandemic. So they have to come, like either come in or they canceling um, or changing up what that building's going to be. But it sounds like it's, there's still all systems go. So now you're going to be struggling against both. Yeah. But I do, but you know, everything, it's all cyclical because like mm-hmm. no one is going to do new projects for a few years. So I think mm. I, you know, here's another prediction for you. I think like 2025 is going to be a banner year for hotels because you're going to have right tons of new supply coming in 2021. But that's basically it. I think everything else has been put on hold. You're going to see, you know, some properties just close doors and never reopen. And by the time things get, chugging again which i think is like 2023 2024 then that's when people have money to to develop but again there's like a year or two year lag in terms of development so um i think like that 2025 might be another opportunity or another good run maybe a few years where demand is growing and supply is not All right, I have two questions for you on this topic then. One, do you see any specific market or area in the U.S. recovering faster than others? Well, Can we talk recovery in the spring-ish start anyway? <laughs> well, uh, yeah, that's, that's really hard. I mean, right now the trends we're seeing are, um, well, any kind of leisure destination, driving distance, right? Everyone's saying that the um, – you know, any, anything that could be kind of local, local getaways are going to do pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then secondary and tertiary markets are going to hold up better than cities. And I think even if you look at like, if you look towards housing um, as a trendsetter, you're seeing a, a mass exodus from urban centers to suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um you know, I, I, I don't necessarily want to get into why that is, but you are seeing that. Yeah. For example, like the housing market in Connecticut, New Jersey, uh, and you know, Westchester, New York are on fire because everyone in New York is, are buying houses. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think in a lot, in a lot of degrees, like we, we've seen similar things with hotels is that uh, like the suburban markets um, are holding up a little bit better than than city center. So I don't know. I just wonder if like that, and that, that, that prediction goes beyond hotels is like, are we going to see another kind of 
rush to this suburban market and that's where all the even businesses will flock to and and that's that's where the next like hot area in terms of hotels will be even from a corporate standpoint right like i'm yeah. in dfw so like plano is a huge um suburb north of dallas that like maybe plano is on fire in a couple of years and and downtown dallas is suffering a little bit hmm. that's, that's a, i think that's a bull that's a bull prediction let's see let's see <laughs> Oh, no, I'm just making this difficult for you on purpose. I'm yes. sorry. Um, <laughs> okay, so um, also, so recovery starting in spring, probably going to be closer to fall. I mean, that we see any real comeback, right? So what can hotels do or what are your properties doing to kind of survive this, to get more occupancy, some occupancy? I mean, there's still business out there somewhere. So local markets, like, what are they doing? What can they do? Um. So, you know, I'm not an operations guy. The first thing I did is lean as you possibly can. I think, mm -hmm. um, you know, that would probably be a topic for someone else to cover. Sure. In terms of like driving business, mm -hmm. um, and that's hard. I think the most, <laughs> important, the most important thing you could do right now is um, work on your digital presence, right? So... I've always said, even when times were good, like if people can't find you, they can't book you. So mm -hmm. you need to make sure that uh, you know, your, your website is as up to date as possible. If you're an independent hotel, um, you need to be optimizing all your photos and all your content across all the channels. Um, and marketing spend is down across the board. So if you can afford it, take, take that opportunity to visit those channels and don't shut them out just because you feel like you don't have any cash. There's a true ROI to that right now. You can spend a little bit and get bookings, right? That's an investment. Mm -hmm. um, and so take advantage while you know, Google ads is lower than it ever has been or travel ads might be a little bit lower, um, you know, cost per click than it has been in the past or maybe meta is a little bit cheaper and you could actually try to drive some bookings direct. Um, I think that's a, good, that's a good advice because I think right now more than ever, people are online dreaming of their next vacation. Mm -hmm. So make yeah, sure and, that you're and, also uh, present. So, social as well. Mm -hmm. um, it's a good opportunity to just reshape your brand, right? Um, and kind of rethink how you, how you promote yourself. And social, right? That, I mean, that's, could be free if you're doing it yourself. So that's kind of where you're investing. And in terms of actually like rate strategy, all that, I mean, to be honest, um, you know, as much as you possibly can, you, you want to maintain your rate integrity, at least from a bar rate. Yeah. Um, I think, you know, short term, it's okay to run promotions off of that and just try to keep them as fenced as possible. So like if you can mm -hmm. use, geolocation to your to your advantage do that um you know if you can try to push for length to stay um you know one thing basically every hotel in the world has to adjust is the whole concept of non-refundable that's pretty much done for at least a year or two so instead of that you want to try like semi-flex rates so you know change your 
seven day non-refundable, 14 day non-refundable to more of like a three day non-refundable or not necessarily a non-refundable deposit or just get a little bit more flexible right. assets. Um, and then from a kind of like revenue sales generation standpoint, you need to be digging through every single company profile that's checking in at your hotel and just going super deep into mm-hmm. those clients and figuring out, wow, like this company is actually staying. Is there more there? Um, so really looking like internally at your data and digging that up and having a sales presence. Um, and if you can't afford a director of sales right now, right? Like that's when you either talking about either outsourcing or doing it yourself. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's fantastic advice. I always said I was a director of sales on uh, for Hilton Hotels. The best business is the with the guests that are already staying with you. That's where you get the, your best information. Uh, and of course, yeah. you know, shopping your competitors, but that's whatever. Yeah, uh, everyone, <laughs> everyone spends like so much money to figure out like what everyone else is doing. When it's like, have you even looked at your own in-house guest? Yeah, like and looked at all the companies that are like staring you in your face, right? Start there before you start trying to buy leads. Mm -hmm. One of the first checklist items I had for my sales coordinator was to go through the arrivals list, look at the email address. If it's at amazon.com, they probably work at Amazon. Make sure that company name is in there because to your point, this data more now than ever is important because you need to know who's actually traveling. Um, mm-hmm. So I know that you had something on distressed hotels. So uh, do we want to wrap up with that prediction and then any last words for the group, any words of advice? Yeah. Um, what I think is going to happen to distressed hotels. Well, I think the those are interesting because I think, uh, I guess a couple things here. One is that right, they're going to be the banks are going to take them back and, and sell them for pennies on the dollar, or you know, basically, so the banks can get get the loan paid off. And I think what's going to happen is like a lot of these hotels are going to be picked up at lower valuations, where they might be able to operate at lower ADRs, and they might actually be able to sustain that business. And I think that's really bad for the industry because um, I think it's going to suppress ADRs for many, many years. Um, And it's, it's not just that it's not just a rate war at that point. It's actually like owners might pick up these assets and say, no, I can run at $60 and still make money. So I'm just going to run high occupancy and I'm going to be at that rate. Um, So that's, kind of unfortunate, I guess. Um, what can I say here? Yeah, I don't know. Some stats, so I'll throw them out. So um, I read, this is according to a May a report that came out in May, uh, over 500 hotels in the U.S. are currently in foreclosure. And that was from May. Um, I think that... Yeah, and, Sorry, the other other point I had in terms of like not necessarily distress hotels, but because we're not going to see tons of new supply in a year or two, I think you're going to see 
um, brand, you know, brands need to grow somehow. So mm -hmm. you're going to see lots of brand conversions taking place. Um, so you're so saying like more of like the big boxes converting to more of the boutique -y types of uh, I oh, I'm I go always go back to Hilton so like maybe uh, a Hilton Garden Inn changing to a canopy or a curio mm -hmm. something yeah. like that yeah so you might see you know maybe it's an opportunity for someone who has a uh, a weaker flag to convert to a mm -hmm. stronger flag and you know maybe brands because they're not having all this new supply development pipeline maybe they're they'll be willing to give incentives or help you know help you with a pit in order to uh convert your property so maybe i think maybe we'll see a lot of flags switching over um maybe that goes back to like some bad experiences that owners have had through covid and they just want to leave that company altogether and you know go to the next guy yep I think that's fair. And I think that brings us kind of full circle. So it's not all doom and gloom. I think that hotels just need to remain flexible right now and, you know, kind of forget everything that you've known in the last decade and <laughs> buckle up guys. <laughs> yeah. um, get creative, uh, start thinking outside the box when it comes to guest engagement. And like he, like Bill said, the supply is still coming next year. It's already, but it's already being built. It's already built. It's coming. So not only do you have low occupancy to battle, but you're going to have a new penny, shiny penny opening up across the street. So hoofa, yeah. it's a lot. It's a lot. Yeah. I think you just need to honestly like get in a survival mode and know that, you know, there'll be better times to come like they always are. So just get through it. I don't know how you can yeah hang in there exactly well i really appreciate you being on and i'm saving this and putting it on the calendar to check back in exactly a year we'll just be like oh we lost that <laughs> <laughs> just come back and be like oh man i don't know what happened yeah. um yeah but we'll take a look see why not if anyone else has any predictions always happy to hear them um thank you everyone for joining thank you jennifer I'm going to sign off Thank now. Thank you, everybody. <laughs> Have a great weekend.